Welcome. My name is Tracy Cook, and this is the podcast series from Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles in all forms that dare greatly to share their real stories. Amazing humans like our upcoming guest that have seen hope risen above those adversities to become victorious that now go on to support and inspire others to do the same. So don't forget to subscribe and comment to our series, our upcoming guest. We're going to welcome Carlin Shaw today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. It is an absolute pleasure. Now, we're just going to share a little bit about what Carlin does because she is a motivator. She's an inspirer. She's a visionary. And that's what we love here in the Victim to Victory community. She's an authentic connector. She's obsessed with synchronicity, smiling, which is wonderful, turning strangers into friends and supporting people's transformation of fear into fuel and pain into possibilities. Wow, there is a boom light bulb moment there, definitely. Now, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1997, followed by the death of her best friends. She lived by the mantra, we can't control what happens, but we can control how we respond to it. So from living without front teeth to the age of 36 to finishing the Boston and New York City Marathon in 2015, Carlin shares her journeys overcoming setbacks. You're going to be amazed by her story that she's going to be sharing with you today and knowing how stories connect us all. She empowers you to give yourself full permission to start over from where you are, to speak your truth and to trust your intuition. When you love yourself, we all know the universe works with you to create your best life. I'm very excited to hear your story. Carlin, where does your story start? Oh boy, let's see. Well, we're going to have to go back a few years. So I always say um, I'm 44 years old now to put it in perspective. And my hero's journey began when I was 19. So when I was 19, it was 1997, um, you know, to paint the picture, there was no Google yet. Uh, there was no social media, there was no cell phones. So this was a time when, when you were served anything, you went at it from here, from your heart. Um, and I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 19, I was a sophomore at college. And at that stage, I'd never heard of MS. My parents hadn't heard of MS. And all we knew was it was a supposed death sentence, you know? And um, so I woke up one morning and I went to take a shower and I noticed I couldn't feel the water hitting my arm. And I had no idea. I'd never experienced anything like this. And I reached out to my mom in a panic and just said, this is what's happening. And I'm just going to go to the hospital and get an x-ray and see if they can find anything that's pinched. And um, before I knew it, the next day, the whole left side of my body was numb and nothing was improving. And uh, this led to uh, going in for an MRI. And then the MRI indicated that I needed a spinal tap. And this is when my dad hopped in his car, drove up to university, um, we were all just kind of caught off guard, all scared. And uh, within a week, I learned that I was diagnosed with MS. Wow. And to say that, yeah, because it's like at this age, 
your biggest concerns are like going to parties and your grades. And like the last thing you're ever expecting is to not be invincible. And so part of my story I share is I very quickly learned I actually wasn't invincible. But my story where it changes and shifts is that one month over the next 10 months, my life would drastically change after the MS and the MS almost took a back seat. Um, one month after I was diagnosed, I had five, like core five core best friends. And one month after my diagnosis, one of my first best friends was killed in a car accident. And then eight months later, the other best friend who had called to inform me that Meredith had died, then also died. So I buried both of my best friends next to each other within 10 months of my MS diagnosis. And so I share that I grew up really, really fast. Not only did I know I wasn't invincible, but now I knew the fragility of life. I knew that I, I was simmering in the uncertainty. I had no one to talk to about this, no one that could understand me. I was dealing with depression and all these emotions I was feeling and you know, wondering like, aren't I allowed to be having these emotions? Like, what do you do with this? This was before people talked about, you know, no one wore their stories on their sleeves. And, and my parents were like, we'll do anything we can to help you, but you know, what, what can we do to help you? And the irony I want to share with your audience is that today is actually the 24 year anniversary that Margaret died. So it was 24 years ago today that my life really changed. And, um, and, you know, with, there's so much of the story I could go into, and I know we're pressed for time. So what I share from this is I was given a choice. I was given this choice of, do I, I was, my grades were suffering, my this and my that, like all the things. And um, I realized that I had the power to live for myself with the MS and live in the spirit of my friends. My friends would not, it turned out Margaret was actually writing a report in college about MS to like share with me when she passed, she was doing research for me. And so I knew it was like, I had to live for all of us. Um, but for myself, most importantly, and I learned that I could study overseas for a semester. I'd never thought about studying overseas. This seemed way out of my comfort zone, but I knew staying where I was wasn't serving me. So without even asking my parents permission, I said, I know what I need. And I applied and I got accepted and I went to London for the semester to study. And this is when I realized, oh, my God, we have the power to put ourselves in new scenarios and to start life over and take whatever stories we want with us and find gratitude where we can. And the moment that everything shifted for me from these stories was I was in Ireland and it was St. Patrick's Day weekend. What American doesn't want to be in Dublin on St. Patrick's Day weekend? Okay. <laughs> for sure. It was like this was like a bucket list we never thought I never thought would happen. And that's and that's where the epiphany came from because all of a sudden I'm standing there and I have my Guinness in my hand and I'm waving my flag and I have this overwhelming moment come over me where I was like, oh my God, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the death of my best friends and my MS diagnosis. I never would have sought this as a reality. And that's when, for the first moment in all of it, I found a silver lining. And once you know that moment where everything is connected and all the pain that you've gone through, you find joy. 
And there's a little bit of guilt there for a moment in just a little bit that you actually have to give yourself that permission to say there is something good that came from all of this. And once you have that, you can't unhave it. And that became the foundation for the rest of my life. And I got a tattoo that day just to commemorate it. I have a tattoo of a four leaf clover with the letter M because Margaret and Meredith became my permanent good luck charms. And I would to this day carry them with me wherever I go. Oh, what a great sentiment. And just you taking us on that journey as well and really standing in gratitude, you know, with the Guinness in your hand and your flag and kind of going, wow, life does change. Life does put you in situations that feel uncomfortable and life does put you in situations where it's hard to make decisions and life does put you in situations where you just have to be grateful for no matter what circumstances have brought you to where you were. And and like you said, you know, there's always going to be that guilt, but just finding that bit of joy. And that's that's quite a, a common thing that we think we have to feel that guilt for the rest of our lives and we don't, right? No, in fact, today uh, is July 26th, and um, shortly, a few years after Margaret's death, I had this epiphany that I didn't want to mourn her death day. I wanted to celebrate her death day, and I actually made this day a personal holiday for myself because I said Margaret never knew it was going to be the day she took her last breath, and none of us know when our the day we're going to take our last breath, and they always say, live like you're dying, and I go, no, live like you're living. Mm-hmm. And so I say, this is a choice I get every, every year I do something to celebrate being alive. And here I am with you celebrating oh, being alive and getting to share this story. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And we need those messages of hope and up, uplift and overcome and celebration. You know, it's okay to mourn, but it's, it's more important to celebrate the life right. that they had to celebrate all the possibilities that they did have and to to really celebrate our life and it's okay to do that as well and it's not like I don't want to sugarcoat that I didn't deal with severe depression and acceptance acceptance like there's stages that we go through anytime we're served a story that we don't ask for that feels like we're the victim and the first stage that I had to go through was this acknowledging that okay this is happening But then the acceptance of it that I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't being punished. This was what was showing up in my life. And there was actually this choice around it. And um, but that's it's it's not to say that that's always easy. It's to paint the picture that it's there for us. And this is where the healing journey begins. And from this stage of acknowledging and accepting is where we get the choice of action. And the action is where we start moving through um, kind of, I like, I say, when I say pain to possibility in the middle is perspective. And when I say fear to fuel in the middle of that is faith. And you have to have your faith and you have to be willing to see things from a different viewpoint or else we get stuck in it. And I am beyond grateful that I was able in my own way to use my journey as a catalyst. And, um, and it's continued to, because these are just the beginning of the stories. There's been lots more, but I believe that I was given these stories foundationally to serve as it's, it's been my soul's journey. The, the more I've been served, even the quicker I am to overcome now and the quicker I am to flip it on its backside, because no one can steal that from you once you know it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Powerful place to be. And how does um, like synchronicity and, and trusting yourself, how does that come to play in everything as well through the journey? Well, a big part of this, I didn't, the synchronicity really started to show up for me. I was always manifesting. I was always um, having uh, clear visions of what I wanted to create and somehow magic was happening and the secret wasn't out yet. And I felt weird and all this stuff, but I started to finally put together this formula in 2009. um, There was a market crash here in the States. And so everyone lost their jobs and I was one of those people. And, but I was happy to lose my job. I think I manifested that. (laughs) But let's be honest. But um, at the, I always said, like, what did you lose when you lose your job? You lose your business card. And your business card was very often what you were going around handing out, labeling yourself and defining yourself. And I decided to make myself a Carlin card, a connection card so that I could go out and continue because we weren't using social media apps back then. There were no apps yet. And um, I, I say in my bio, I love turning strangers into friends. And the title that I gave myself on my card was Carlin Shaw turning strangers into friends, because I recognized that was actually how I journeyed through life. Only I didn't have a URL. All I did have was a super long URL to donate to the MS walk that I was participating in to raise money for my cause. And what I never expected happening was as I would hand out these cards, people out of nowhere, I didn't talk about MS. I didn't wear it on my sleeve. You would never know. Um, their mothers would have it, their fathers would have it, they would have it. And all of a sudden I created this safe space for them to share their story with me. And this is where my awareness of vulnerability being the ingredient to synchronicity began. And then I realized, oh, the more I share of myself, the more I give permission to other people to share themselves. But not only that, It's just the more authentic I live, the more aligned that I am, the more magic shows up for me. I get chill. I'm covered in chill bumps right now because this is universal law. And I and so many of us know it, but we oftentimes when we get stuck in it, like I'm human. I get stuck in my stories sometimes and I'm like, oh, my God, universe, where are you when I need you? But then I realized I must be doubting myself. I must be stuck in fear. And so my synchronicity shows up through people. My synchronicity, I have a direct language through number patterns. I see number patterns everywhere. Sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy by my number patterns. But, <laughs> um, you know, all the different ways that when we're paying attention, when we take our blinders off, reality is synchronicities everywhere. Uh, we just have to be open to it. And this synchronicity goes into our intuition because I have just as many stories of following the synchronicity as I do challenging the synchronicity. Sometimes we get messages we don't want to hear. Mm. And we want to say, actually, I think I know best. Mm-hmm. And say, almost like a turn your nose up to God type thing, right? Okay, well, that's not how it works. And then we get to learn our lesson. Yeah. And then we get to look back in hindsight of, okay, I actually heard my intuition. I just got, my ego got in the way and I tried to outsmart it. Yeah. And that's when you realize (laughs) the universe might smack you upside the face if you're not paying attention. So there's multiple ways that we get to see how powerful our intuition is sometimes just by ignoring it. And that's why um, in my intro where I say I lived without my teeth for the age of 36, these are fake. They're an implant and I've had them replaced twice. And um, I chose not to wear my little retainer with the fake teeth on it 
uh, because I had gone through, and I won't go into the whole story. This is part of the book that will be written. Um, there was a lot of hardness, a lot of stuff going on in my life before the bike accident. The bike accident actually brought me back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to. And the bike accident that. is how you lost your teeth. So I ignored my intuition. I ignored the sign. I ignored the sign. And ignoring meaning, I was a people pleaser. Ignoring meaning, I was playing small. Ignoring meaning, I was trying to save somebody else. I was in a relationship. I was lost in my job. I was disconnected. It was, I'd stopped making my strangers to friends cards. I wasn't being me. And the more I wasn't being me, the more disconnected and literally broken I became. And the final straw was I hopped on my bike to kind of, I was masking. I was pretending at this point in life. It was a big, it was a big facade. And, uh, And the universe said, well, we're just going to throw you off your bike and you're going to hit with nothing but your face. You won't get a concussion. You'll be totally fine. We're just going to knock your smile out. And already at this point in my life, I was known for my smile. I've always had a big smile. The janitor in high school nicknamed me Smiley. I've always been friendly. Your smile is your personality. It's your everything. And what happens? I lose my smile. Mm -hmm. However, you can X, Y, and Z me, but you cannot take my smile. That's where I draw the line. And so um, my form of healing uh, was the accident itself and looking at myself in the mirror allowed me to mourn in a way that I, and and accept and grieve for myself and for everything. It just kind of hit me all at once. And, um, and humor and acceptance and everything is, is, is a beautiful medicine. And so I chose not to wear my smile flipper because who was more uncomfortable me or you, you, Mm. I'd accepted it and I wasn't going to let it stop me. And this, uh, you should have seen the Christmas card I sent out that year. I went and sat on on Santa's lap without my teeth. So, um, but this became a catalyst for so much inspiration. I wrote a blog called five lessons learned from losing my front teeth. And I tweeted it to Brene Brown Mm -hmm. and she retweeted it. I love it. And so, yeah. And so that's how people started finding my story. I didn't really intend on that to happen. I just wanted to share with her, like, I'm reading the gift of imperfection. You're right. And, uh, and a woman in, I was living in Denver, Colorado at the time. And a woman that had lost her teeth, been in shame with it for 18 years, had never shown her smile in person, reached out to me. I challenged her to meet me for lunch, to take her teeth out. And she did. And I was viscerally reminded of the power of our stories. And it inspired me to start a group uh, in in Colorado, a meetup. And I ended up collecting almost 3,000 people over the course of three years. And uh, I started facilitating monthly events, inviting people to share their stories, to feel seen and heard. And, um, And that leads me, you know, so much to where I am today. And it comes back to we can't control what happens. We control how we respond to it. I love that. And that's so true. That's such a powerful place to be. We can't ever control what happens, but we can definitely control 
um, you know, how we're going to respond to it. And you've just yeah. dropped so many golden nuggets. Um, just absolutely amazing. The journey that you've been on. And I love the way that you said, I accepted it. It's just others didn't. And how often are, are we assuming, you know, um, and taking on somebody else's judgment or, or fears or resentment or whatever it may be? And how does that affect us? It shouldn't. We just have to be happy with ourselves. I love that message that's just really shining through on that, Carlin. And what kind of message would you like to to leave the audience on today? Um. I think one of the biggest messages is life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. And when we allow ourselves to see, like we look around and every one of us is experiencing some form of trauma or uh, something that we wish we could have avoided and, 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 and whatever capacity, but all of a sudden we're in this present moment with it and we get to do something about it. And, um, and this, it's just that reminder that, um, it's the meaning that we give it. It's the how we shape how we shape the story. So if there's anyone out there that's being served something really hard and challenging, because so many of us are, and so many of us feel so out of control, but you're not alone. And it's also remembering you're not alone because we're more connected, but more disconnected than ever. Mm-hmm. But we're but we're are so we are so bonded if we just gave each other the chance to like step into each other's shoes. We're all beautiful patchworks of stories. Patchworks of stories. I love that. Sounds like a podcast title. Um, Now, now where can we actually connect with you? Mm, Let's see. Well, I'm on all the things. Mm -hmm. So on Instagram, I am connect with Carlin and it's spelled Mm C-A-R-L-Y-N. A lot of people wonder how my name is spelled. So connect with Carlin. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Carlin Shaw. My website uh, is carlinshaw.com or connect with Carlin. They lead to the same place. Um, I actually sell a t-shirt. I'm so passionate about the power of our smile and connecting us all. Um, I sell a t-shirt that says whoever smiles first wins to encourage authentic connection and knowing that when you're smiling for yourself, you're already a winner. So you can go to strangers to friends.com to see, to learn about the t-shirt and to read more of my blogs. Um, and I also, I know there's a lot of websites here. I'm trying to, I need to bring them all together, but smiles first wins as well. So, um, Facebook, there is one other Carlin Shaw. She lives in Australia. I'm friends with her. I found her, but <laughs> it's not, her. Actually met. You're, 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 you're I drove to Vancouver, I drove to Vancouver, Canada and met her. She's six one and she's a model. And we have the two Carlin Shaws on the planet. That's another story altogether. But <laughs> I, I am I am Carlin Shaw with blonde curly hair, and you can find me on Facebook. And we're we sharing um, out all of your links where to connect. Yeah, with you yeah. As well. And I just and I would love to talk to anybody out there that feels called to connect. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for being brave, especially on the anniversary of the death of your friend. Oh, I know that she'll be smiling for you as well, being yeah. able to celebrate yeah. your life. Yeah. It's no accident. It's no accident. Nothing is an accident. Everything has a purpose of and a mission and the universe will keep throwing them in our way until we pay attention. <laughs> Definitely. Amen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me. 
Oh, it, you are more than welcome. I love your message. I love the way you radiate and your energy and the way you're you're saving and changing lives. You're empowering, you're inspiring, you're a visionary and we the world needs more sp- smiles, definitely. So we will share where to connect with you, Carlin, and you can find the Victim to Victory podcast on YouTube apple and spotify if you got value from today and i know you got value from carlin shaw please subscribe and comment and remember wear your story like a superhero cape and not an anchor we will see you on the next show thank you very much carlin thank you 